Merle Davis. It, it just became legal to grow again. And so you do have some experience that's coming over from uh, like France, the UK, um, and and everywhere and, uh, in that direction, but how I like to describe it here in the U.S. Uh, right now, we are in the fullness the last of time. time was, uh, uh, that means that people are learning about it and wanting it, and even if they don't want um, it and they just want a house, if they discover it, they're the gonna want it. And so it's, uh, it doesn't have to be this unique one-off. Hey guys, it's Mandy with Global Hemp Association. I wanted to say thank you so much for joining. I'm excited about the opportunity to build a relationship and connect this supply chain. I mean, after all, that's why we started the association. Our association was built on the foundation of connecting supply chain, building relationships, and helping you grow your business. Anyone from farmers, manufacturers, and distributors, people that are passionate about the supply chain, and those creating products selling into biofuels, plastics, textiles, construction, and building materials. Hello. It's the first time I saw some of those commercials and I see a few things that I would potentially change, but I love them and I love that. Oh man, I, I was excited. I was in them. <laughs> I was uh, like, hey, I know that guy. At South Bend, right? When we were making the wall, building the wall. That was a great day. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, Ray, I'm so excited to have you on and excited to have this conversation and more excited about potential collaboration in the industry. And so I want to say thank you very much for everything you're doing. I'm excited to hear about your new role at the U.S. Hemp Builders Association. But before I do, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of our members, our corporate members. They're growing like crazy. So I want to say thank you so much for all of your support and collaboration. Um, for those of you that were at NOCO, what a fabulous event Morris put on and his team. Um, every time I go, I feel rejuvenated and revived and a ton of energy pumped into me and more importantly, the friends and the network that we've built. So just a quick shout out and thank you to everything you guys are doing. And thank you very much for your support. And if there's anything Ray or I can do throughout this interview, if you're catching the interview later on, uh, let us know where you're chiming in from. Please reach out. We'd love to connect both through the association and what we're doing outside of the association. So Ray, before I keep talking too much, I'd love for those that don't know who you are and what you're doing, how did you get into this industry? Tell me a little bit about your background and then what you're working on now. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me back again. And then you are the master of the most important game that we learn as children. You want to know what it is? Yeah, please. It's connect the dots. You know, we, we in this industry and in many industries, people just they learn a lot of something and then they don't connect it with the other something that makes the whole picture come together. And then that's something that, that you do masterfully in just connecting everyone. And it's such a joy uh, to be on and just glean everything that you do and just like, hey, you should talk to so and so. Hey, you should talk to so and so. And then like three months later, it's like, oh, hey. How did that happen? I was like, well, Mandy introduced somebody. So uh, you're just a master at it. And thank you so much for it. Um, but, you know, me going down the rabbit hole, everybody's got their hemp story, uh, especially hemp and construction. And then it usually starts with some sleepless night or social media or clickbait or something. And then uh, I'm no different. And so I was building um, uh, houses to hold as investment properties and in our material selection Um you know, it was, I found it, it lacking. I found the materials were uh, poor for the environment and poor for the occupants. And so those two things really drove me uh, that, you know, these things were not healthy for the people or the planet. And then with that in mind, um, I like exploring things. I like business ideas. I like business trends. I like uh, the exercise of attempting to look around corners and spot opportunities for an entrepreneur. And then when the farm bill passed and legalized hemp, I was like, man, that's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. And so I started watching things and then I discovered more and more about how that would relate into the construction industry as far as materials. And then, you know, just going down the rabbit hole a little bit further with delusions of grandeur from YouTube videos. I was like, let's do this. And then uh, and so then there we are. And so uh, this this past year, we've got the first permitted uh, residential property in San Antonio, Texas. And then it's uh, um, I'd say it's about midway to better than halfway through its construction phase. And then that's with uh, hemp grown in the U.S., 
and we've had folks come in from all over the country and beyond. Uh, we even had some congressional delegations come to the job site to look at it from uh, uh, from Honduras. From we've had academics come. We've had the news media come. And this is just a little old construction site. This is nothing impressive, but. The story is really exciting. And so I always like to say I'm excited to make hemp creek boring and building with hemp boring because that's where we really get on a pathway to production. But that's my entry into the uh, into the pond and then how I'm uh, swimming about right now at the current moment. Awesome. Okay, so I want to give a quick shout out. Justin, I agree. Ray is the man. I just want to give a shout out. Thank you so much. And John, as always, thank you so much for joining. I would love to connect with you soon. I'll be reaching out and just say hello. But I have a quick question, Ray. Something that I was really unaware of until I got into the hemp industry and the value hemp brings to change the way homes are built, right? Can you talk a little bit about a current system and what what the future of hemp looks like in an existing system or how it will impact the current build either off-site or on-site? Yeah, and that's a great question because innovation in the construction industry is so difficult. You can have a better idea that never makes it to the marketplace because uh, it, it, there's friction. And so that's one of the big things that I wanna do is reduce the friction. Um, at all the friction points. And so um, everybody watching this, just everybody in the community um, who's doing things, just imagine yourself with a grease gun out there reducing friction on all the working parts. And that's trades. Um, you know, so like if you bring anything new, and I mean anything new, a left-handed versus a right-handed nailer or whatever, um, it, it is friction. And then um, yeah. I looked at building a more of a kit mentality with some steel framing. And to, to find trades to do just that simple difference was difficult. And so uh, your trades don't like to retool. They like to do things, get paid, go on, do more things. Um, and then, uh, so it's up to the entrepreneurs uh, that are the entrepreneur business person slash trades person that really want to embrace something that can further their career and give them more capability. So that's trades. And then there's supply chain. And then the supply chain is, you know, the good thing about hemp is that it is aggressively being pursued for so many different reasons and construction materials is just one of those reasons. So we have that benefit. It's not like we have to create something for the construction industry alone. And so we can just piggyback on uh, plastic, on textiles, on automotive parts and all of those things uh, because all of those things leave behind it a wake of stuff that we can build uh, houses with. And so we don't have to go out and do that. So all of the friction points uh, on design uh, and then just consumer awareness. So uh, design and consumer awareness are more of a pull uh, that'll pull the industry forward. And so I always encourage people whenever they learn about it, that it's the two main points, healthy for them to occupy it and healthy for the planet to build it because this is the highest levels of stewardship in a construction scenario that I've seen. And so all we have to do as consumers is want it. You know, all we got to do is click a button somewhere that says, I want that. And then we're capitalists in America. We know, we know how to do the rest. If you want something, whatever it is, uh, then you're going to get it. And then so then all the friction points will be reduced um, because if the market wants the right things for the right reasons and then the marketplace provides it, then it's not this, uh, you know, uh, evil empire capitalist, uh, you know, there's, there's no villains in the story. Uh, and so then well, we can really move forward. And then we start to see manufacturers come up with a reason to adjust and change, right? If it's being yeah. told by consumers, now we're no longer trying to adjust or justify why the manufacturing may potentially benefit because really that's where the cost is, right? So if consumers are willing to pull I really like that point. Just kind of like brought this all around on how I'm trying to figure out, you know, development of market and pulling players together is really that pull on the market is so important. 
And and right now it's fun. So, you know, you and I have both been in this arena for a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody's been in it for decades just because, you know, it, it just became legal to grow again. And so you do have some experience that's coming over from uh, like France, the UK um, and, and everywhere in that direction. But how I like to describe it here in the U.S. right now, we are in the fullness of time. Uh, that means that people are learning about it and wanting it. And even if they don't want it and they just want a house, if they discover it, they're going to want it. And so it's, uh, it doesn't have to be this unique one-off scenario. It just is something that is a desirable thing. You know, if you're showing, I'm, you know, I'm a real estate broker. If you're showing people uh, properties and you say, hey, this one was built sustainably and it's healthy, they're going to want it over anything else that's in the marketplace. But also the supply chains are coming online as of like, Two years ago, you're importing uh, herd, you know, or doing something really experimental. But now we've got a handful of suppliers that are coming online, doing the right things for the right reasons, and uh, phenomenal things are taking place. And so trades are coming around. Um, one thing I like about the construction project that we have there in San Antonio is everybody who has come on the project loves it. They love working with it. And this is like... This ain't fun work. You know, this is hot. This is South Texas sun. Uh, this is dust. This is sweat. Um, and everybody loves it. And then everybody's an inventor. Uh, everybody wants to invent a different way. The, all the creative juices get going. I got pictures at lunch um, more than one time where everybody's sitting around uh, eating lunch, drawing things out with their construction pencils on the floor and just coming up with new ideas, better ways to do things and all of that. And then so without exception, anybody who's come on the job site has become an inventor. But that capture of the human spirit is just something that is fantastic to enjoy and be a part of. So, yeah, I like doing it. It's my most, it's what I'm the most excited about, right? Is this second piece of IP development and design and you know, the invention that everybody's coming up with. And I've said for a long time, Ray, if we can get it in the hands of the kids at school, they'll change our world with it. And so it, it's oh, so yeah. see happen and exciting to see it come to fruition. Okay, so I wanna ask this million dollar question, right? What is it like? What's the role that you now have with US Hemp Builders Association? What's it mean to now be, president and in leadership and what are some of the goals and yeah i'm curious it's exciting i am writing some really fantastic coattails uh the folks who went before me with getting the codes in place uh so those those irc codes now that was a big deal and uh and i just want to pause and say thank you for everybody who worked on that i i didn't do that much in that regard um if anything uh, i was just cheering with pom-poms and doing cartwheels on the sideline but they got the work done they did the heavy lifting and then now i'm carrying the football and uh and it's one of those things to where as the leader of that organization one of the biggest things that i need to do is just stay out of the way and make sure that everybody's uh, headed in the right direction in an orderly fashion and gets the help that they need. And so uh, so there's a lot of exciting things going on. Um, and what we're really doing in one of our strengths is our hyper-focus. Uh, uh, one of the enjoyable things about the industry as a whole is a lot like what I described on the construction site. It captures the human spirit and everybody's like uh, 20 bazillion things can be made out of hemp and they want to make them all. You know, they're entrepreneurs and this is an all you can eat entrepreneurial buffet and they want to eat it all. And, and it, it's almost fun to watch people and it's like, OK, come on in, uh, jump in. The water's fine. And then uh, and swim around a little bit wanting to do everything. But then you got to pick a niche. And so construction is one of those niches in the, the building space is where we are. And then uh, that hyper-focused niche uh, is our strength. And so, for example, um, you know, we'll go right up to the edge of the processors and the farmers. And we want to cultivate cultivate that relationship because that's our supply chain but we're not going to go out and talk about seeds and soil we talk about it and we want to support them 
but the farmers and the growers associations have their own deal and they do their thing. And then we just want to be here and we want to be the demand for what they're doing. We don't want to go into their lane and then try to do what they're doing. And so we're really focused on staying in our lane and going to the building and construction community. There's a cliche that we have that it's one thing for the hemp industry to be talking about construction. It's yet another for the construction industry to be talking about hemp and they are and so we just want to give them a good solid message and be consistent because uh, there's a lot of good things going on paul i love paul's comment real quick cannabis culture by definition is for the people mm -hmm. right? because we're standing in the shoulders of the giants <laughs> indeed indeed exactly. so um i i have a question right talk to me a little bit about the code and what does it mean can you talk to me a little bit about collaboration with the uh, Jacobs Group Hemp Builders Institute? Because I, I, what I understand is they're really taking this code and moving it to the next level, right? Whatever next steps that, that is. Can you talk right. about what is the difference in these two groups and how can people support one or the other or both? Yeah, great question. And then, um, so Jacob Waddell, in his tenure as the president, they, uh, yeah, and round of applause and shout out to him, did a fantastic job. And one of the key discernments is, is a lot like what I described, where you had to focus and, and develop that niche and that specialization. And there was a ton of things that wanted to be done. There was a long list of priorities. And a lot of those priorities had to be told no so that the number one priority could be done. And that was getting codes. And so that took a lot of discernment, one. And then it took a lot of gumption and uh, and there were people that had pet projects that didn't get done or got told to wait. And uh, that was one of the best things to do because you can't go out of sequence on what's important versus what's urgent. And then that was urgent, that was accomplished. And now those important things are the next steps. And so, uh, so with the code, I described that as like a skeleton. And then what's being done now is putting uh, meat on the bones for that skeleton. So, for example, in how the code is described, if you were an architect or an engineer and you're sitting down to look at that code for the first time and you just read the words on the page um, and you'd never been around a project or anything like that, you might not be clear about it. And so this is where um, everybody can come together and uh, put the meat on the bones, have those drawings, have those pictures, have those case studies and those scenarios uh, to where that can happen. And then also the testing that verifies uh, what's being uh, put forward. And so uh, Jacob is carrying that um, better than anybody I know of. And so what the U.S. Hemp Building Association voted on was to just uh, put some funding forward to help them get going. And then we want to help fundraise along the way. And then at the tail end, you know, it's like, hey, what do you need to finish this and get it across the, the finish, finish line? And so what we're in the process right now is really shining a light on what he's doing and then helping collaborate with fundraising. And so, you know, with a voice like what you have in bringing that message out and letting us know that that's the relationship between the organizations. It's not like Jacob, uh, you know, went off and is doing his own thing. Um, he or is taking- Right, we're not yeah. competing. And I think that's the big thing. To no, uh, not at all, not at all. Yeah, and focusing efforts where, in order to move the, move the needle, right? To actually get something across the finish line, so. Awesome. Yeah. And so we, we're 100% behind what he's doing. We're actually putting money into it. Uh, we're helping him raise money to do it. Um, and then it's that hyper focus, uh, like I said, um, you know, as the organization, but it's a hyper focus within a hyper focus on the codes and the testing. And so um, and what it does for me as the new president coming in, it lets me focus on those duties um, and then I've already got somebody who's a champion for that hyper focus. And so I'm just one getting out of the way and getting him the resources that he needs and then circling it back, back around with the structure of the organization in any way that I can. And so that's, uh, that's the end of that, but, uh, definitely look him up and then, uh, write a check and do things like that and see what he needs. Support. Absolutely. Well, and this goes both ways, right? Is So can you talk a little bit about some of the focuses you guys have within your association and how do people get involved? Well, we've got the codes and so we're carrying those forward and then we're uh, just spreading the word. 
Um, and so a lot of people don't know that there is that big step forward. Uh, maybe they were in favor of it. Maybe they were an advocate. And then now they, um, they know that it is possible. And so now they can take those steps that they wouldn't otherwise take. And then now they know that they've got support behind them. And so, uh, for example, on our board, we've got uh, two architects and industry suppliers and things like that. And so we've got a lot more resources behind us as far as what it takes to actually go from start to finish, from concept to a completed structure. And so that's something that we're really excited about. And, and like I said, just reaching out to the uh, construction industry, whether it's the uh, Architectures Association, the National Association of Home Builders, um, each of the, the regional uh, efforts going out, uh, and who's doing things from the marketplace to the production builders, to custom builders. And then, um, you know, on that note, the custom builder has really been the one that is, uh, has embraced these one-off projects and they've been fantastic. There's been some great examples, but the industry really doesn't see the large scale impact until we're on a pathway to production. And then that's the, uh, the big producers of the world, the DR Hortons, the Lennars, the KB Homes, the Richmond Americas. And so the market will really pull that into focus. And then right now, if, uh, if you gave me audience with any one of those national builders, I would be very cautious because you know, we're a lot further this year than we were last year, for example. But if you had a, a thousand home development, we're not ready. Uh, there's not that much grown and processed. Uh, give it a year or two and we will be. And so um, what I want everybody to know is that's where we are on the pathway. And then the, the industry from the agriculture and the processing community is coming online um, in an amazing way. It, <laughs> it, it amazes me how much momentum. And so everybody likes to look at the graph of the hockey stick and things going up. And uh, we're right there at the edge of the hockey stick. So we need to be real cautious to not try to jump ahead a year and get the thousand home development. And now we have uh, a problem, a huge catastrophic failure because we can't supply it. Now, if we had a thousand home development and we can take it as it comes, that would be good. And so, um, you know, the next one to two years are going to be fantastic and they're going to be very strategic though. Okay. So you said lots of things that I've got questions about, and I want to talk real quick about scale. What's needed? How, how much of a, you know, what's the acreage or the tons needed to build an average home? And what are we looking at to be able to scale to a thousand home project or larger? Um, you know, what I, I understand the processing capability, but not sure on acres or volume of production needed. Yeah, a good frame of reference is, uh, you know, the house that I'm building is a little bit over 1300 square feet, three bedroom, two bath. Um, you know, if you close your eyes and imagine a two story, three, two, you know, that's the house. Yeah. yeah. And so. Um, like I said, I'm excited to make building with hemp very boring. And then that's about as boring of a house as you can get. It's, it's exciting how boring it is just on the material selection. And so only you, only you and Gene would think that that's an exciting thing is to make it boring. Well, well yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like how, how many people really have their soul and spirit stirred by going, well, do I want fiberglass or do I want spray foam? Nobody. And so, but this is one of those things that is, is really uh, what gets talked about and stirs the, the human spirit. And so that's what's nice. And if it can be done on a larger scale, that is what's nice. <laughs> but back to the, the, the friction points and then how big and how much um, the, the takeoffs for that house were 20,000 pounds of herd. And so that's roughly 20,000 pounds of carbon uh, that's going into that house, hopefully for 100 years. And so that's another one of the things that is um, part of the story is that it, it lasts longer. All of that, all the attributes most of us are familiar with or, or they can be looked up. And so um, but trades uh, are something that also needs to be trained up. You know, I, if I want a subcontractor, I need to make one. Uh, and so there's a couple of different installation methods. Um, uh, block is very uh, popular to look at just because there are all already masonry trades that will fill that type of scenario. Um, and then whether it's spray or hand cast, 
some sort of mechanization or panelization. I know a lot of the prefabrication uh, industry is looking at this from a panel point of view or uh, a whole house prefabrication. And those cooks in the kitchen are coming up with some really good scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, but any point that removes friction along the way will move things forward. I don't know if you have an answer for cubic yard of hempcrete, what biomass is needed per cubic yard. I just kind of calculated in my head while you were talking, like what acres look like to hit 10 tons of herd. <coughs> we're looking, you know, say we get three to four tons of production. We're only at a couple acres per home. Is that right? Say three with the, the waste potentially? Yeah, it's not a lot. Um, yeah. And a I need to get to where I can do this off the top of my head, but you know, you've got 80% of the plant is the herd. And then, so if you've got tons per acre, um, then you can take 20% of, of that away. And then there's a certain amount for, for shrinkage in the processing. And then you can extrapolate that back out to, um, you know, if you just use 20, 25,000 pounds uh, mm -hmm. per house, uh, now that's putting hempcrete up in the roof as well as in the the floors. I do a pier and beam uh, plant, and so uh, some of that might be a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on the climate, the style, the design. Um, and so, uh, but you know, twenty thousand pounds is a nice round number, either twenty or twenty-five. So when anybody who watches this and wants to glean from that a data point to go to their, I'm getting folks call me from, uh, hey, I'm going to talk to my state legislature on a committee hearing on this topic. How big is the industry? What do you need? And so that lets them have math that they can then go do. And so that 20 to 25,000 pounds per house is something that's a good number uh, that'll get you uh, where you're going. And then um, um, uh, I need to reach back out to some more of the, the farmers and uh, get some production numbers on uh, pounds per acre and yields. Right now, I don't have real accurate, uh, I've got notes that are scattered, uh, but I need to reach back out to the farmers who ha actually have those production numbers. Justin, I think this is about what I calculated, three to four acres, depending on production. And, and right, this takes into consideration, obviously, what you're growing for. Um, I'm interested too, Ray, and just kind of talking about like specs and things like that, uh, development of the standards and the specs needed. And my understanding is now this uh, new knowledge that's come forward that the the way the material binds really depends on how it's grown or the type of hemp grown right and the cellulose structure of that and so i'm really curious are you guys doing any additional studies to look into that or what what does that look like for research as we you know connect the dots back to farmers and really what are we encouraging them to grow that's the most beneficial in binding some of this yeah that's a great question that uh, that paints a picture and then so um, you know, there's the age old wisdom of begin with the end in mind. And then so as if you're going to grow this, you need to know where it's going to go. If it's going to go for textile, you're going to do everything unique all the way down to the genetic selection and the soil uh, attention and the stewardship that you put on that level. If you're growing for um, uh, some other type, a lot of folks are just growing for herd right now. And then the fiber is the byproduct. Um, you know, the, the tables are switched that way. But as far as the standards go, what the, the U.S. Hemp Building Association looked at in evaluating that, and I know Jacob had made a lot of progress uh, with ASTM uh, that uh, puts standards out into a variety of industries so that the industry can actually function and then uh, that consumer uh, marketplace of uh, as this commoditizes, it, it's got a, um, a standard for that commodity to be uh, bought and sold in the marketplace. And then also from the builder's point of view, I've got consistency in what I'm getting. And so um, the USHBA has um, put out guidelines and guidance. Um, and the reason that they're shying away from actually establishing a standard is because when you establish a standard and when you certify that standard, you now firmly grip the lightning rod if lightning ever strikes. So with certification comes liability and we don't want that liability and the, the marketplace is doing that. So, so we put guidelines on what we want. And so, you know, to get what you want, first of all, you have to know what you want. And so we're letting uh, the industry know. And then I know several are coming out with those standards um, and then the ASTM, their process, um, I went in through their committee week and 
And then what I like to describe the ASTM is how they describe it. And it's like there's a, a 100 chapter story with an, in an action novel and you're coming in at chapter 23 and then you start reading from there. And so there's a bit of acclimation to it, but the, uh, the committee is uh, the D37 and uh, the fiber one is D3707, I believe that's correct. And so they're doing a lot and they're doing a lot on, um, on both ends of it. So they're like, hey, this is a standard that the industry wants. And then uh, the industry is saying, this is what we want. And then uh, they're both working at that in different directions. And so ASTM is doing a lot. And then I know there's other organizations that have me on uh, to, to consult in that way as well. So that the, um, at the end of the day, those standards are uh, what can be made. Because I was talking to one processor and he was lamenting uh, trying to sell uh, what he's processing. And they're like, hey, I love that, but can you do this and then make it just a little bit different? Well, then he's got to shut down the line. He's got to go tweak machinery. So his opportunity cost to make a sample might be $10,000 worth of production and equipment and, you know, engineering and, and, and tweaking. It's not like these are knobs uh, that we turn. Um, you know, sometimes they are, but a lot of times that's a big cost. And so um, to hit that standard will be huge for the industry because it'll let processors know what to put out and then it'll let um, the rest of the industry know about what it is that they're getting. And so when projects fail and have a bad scenario, and they will, then it doesn't flow back up and hit that processor and that farmer at fault because they've sent it off to a third party to be given that thumbs up or thumbs down on whether it's suitable for the application. And so if everybody does what they should do and everybody covers the bases that they should cover, then what happens in a bad scenario like that is like any other bad scenario and any other normal business is you file an insurance claim because bad things happen. That's what insurance is for. So the processor doesn't have to have the liability. The farmer doesn't have to have the liability. So, so that's USHBA. We're putting out guidelines. There's several in the marketplace that are uh, doing standards. Um, ASTM is a larger organization that is uh, active in that as well. And if anybody has questions about that on what the current status of it is, it's changing daily. So just reach out to me. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you had mentioned something earlier that I'm really interested in is this off-site manufacturing piece, right? When we look at avenues to bring hemp in. And there have been a number of off-site builders that I got you know, wrapped up and you said, don't go after these big builders in the beginning. And of course, that's what we did. And so we learned really quick that way we got to back off and start small. But something that keeps coming up is these the offsite builders that are looking for a unique size of wall, right? That that they're not able to meet the specs or or get a large manufacturer to change what they're doing to meet the specs here. What does it look like and what's time frame look like before we start seeing large production for offsite building? And what does that look like for a viable path potentially into large construction projects or scalability? Well, I'm in conversations with several folks who are exploring just that. And the way I describe it is that I have not had my prefabrication epiphany. And so I know there's a lot of good cooks in the kitchen. And so I'm doing it low tech, old school now. And then so that I can be in the game and doing stuff. And then I'll just improve on that one baby step at a time. Uh, instead of sitting at zero and not doing anything and waiting for the right scenario. And so uh, we've done a lot of it in-house. And so we're able to be financially competitive to where we can put something out there that's good. Um, but, uh, you know, just like all the, uh, wh whether it's block or panels, uh, there's a lot of good cooks in the kitchen coming up with stuff. But I don't have a clear discernment on which way that'll go. But I do know that a lot of good things are happening. Man, I, every time, and NOCO was just another example, right? Of somebody that I learned about that's doing ceiling tiles or the the global oh, fiber yeah. that has the structural block now, the structural hemp block uh, with the University of Nebraska. 
Are you familiar with that? Yeah, Corbett's deal with that. Now, yeah. now here's the thing. Uh, th this is the thing that will be disruptive is that right now the, the paradigm is that you can have it be structural but not insulative or you can have it be insulative but not structural. If you get to where they're both, that is a disruptive technology and then, then we're building schools and hospitals and things like that. And so uh, I, I am confident that, you know, if I were on the Las Vegas uh, floor of the uh, statistical gambling, you know, I'd say within one to two years, we're going to have a structural insulative block. Uh, it's just that big of a, a need in the marketplace to have that type of construction material. Uh, yes, absolutely. So I, I want to give a quick shout out, Mike, I saw you're on. I want to say thank you very much. I will definitely be reaching out. Mike's got an awesome event and some stuff he's involved in. And so I'm excited to share about that. Jimmy, um, I don't know who you want to reach out to, but let us know. I would love to connect. And I know that we've got lots of questions and things like that. Uh, Clarissa, I agree. Ability to bring commercial scale will depend on developing the buyer's market. And that's kind of what we started with in the beginning. Uh, Ray, what do you what do you think it's going to take, right? As we build a consumer demand campaign and education, right? What is, what is that magic, <laughs> uh, you know, waving your wand? What do we need to really develop that education? And, and perfect example, right? The sick home syndrome or sick, I can't remember what it's called, right? It is, it is not affecting people like cancer is affecting people, right? How do we relate that type of situation um, and bring it back to really hit home for people to where it is an impact that we're willing to spend more to, for our home to be healthier, last longer, avoid these impacts? Um, yeah. Well, you don't go to the doctor and get diagnosed with sick home syndrome. You do go to the doctor and get diagnosed with cancer. And so it's one of those things to where it's a, it's a long-term effect. You might move between five, 10 homes uh, in a lifetime. You might move between five, 10 jobs in a lifetime to where you're working at, uh, at different uh, scenarios in different environments. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, Greg Wilson's a good example of that because he was in the manufacturing side of the flooring of the bamboo flooring that uses a lot of formaldehyde. He shared with me that it's like, you know, at least once a year he ends up in the hospital. Now that's very real. Uh, when you're in the hospital, you reflect on things about how you got in the hospital. And so we're not in the hospital though. And so it's one of those things to where we have to, um, let people tell the story who are, who have that hypersensitive, hypersensitivity uh, to mold, who have those stories. And everybody's familiar with mold. Um, mold was a big deal for a while. And, um, and then insurance quit paying for mold. And now mold's not as big of a deal anymore, if you notice that. So, so money motivates a lot. And so um, that's another thing that I'm usually philosophically opposed to government money coming into any industry. I think that really uh, can pose more problems than solutions. But if you've got a community of entrepreneurs sitting on the bank of the river and there's a river of cash flowing by, those entrepreneurs are gonna figure out how to dip a bucket into that river. Now, as entrepreneurs and as people engaging in the industry, we have to be good stewards of the money that comes out of that river because guess who put the money in the river? Uh, it was other citizens like us. And so, um, you know, the, the citizen taxpayer wants to see good things in the marketplace and will vote with their dollars, both in the marketplace and it's something that we're willing to uh, support grants and support uh, uh, the things that we like to see our tax dollar go to. And so it's something that it's a very powerful story when it's told. Um, Jean just said, mold allergies are also bringing consumers to Hempline Solutions. And I agree. I, I, it has been sickening. There's a couple of people in our industry that are very passionate about this because of loss they've had due to mold and the lack of awareness, right? Especially in the renters communities, like how much mold runs rampant through these multi-level homes and or multi-family yep. homes. And it really is. It's this education to the effects of what, what mold does and, and, 
and where it's actually at in our home that we don't see. And so, yeah, I, I question this all the time. And again, it goes back to when I talk to the builders, like, yes, they like it. Yes, they want a safe home, right? But the consumer is really who's making that decision and demanding change. Um, so, yeah. And a lot of times they know but they don't that they're they're in a home that, you know, the, the kids are settled in school. They can't afford to move. You know, we're talking about, you know, let's talk about that that modest income right now. You know, you got a house that you can rent. Um, you can afford to rent it. But your landlord is just doing the bare minimums to, to keep it where they get a rent check. And then um, maybe sometimes the landlords are really good. Maybe they're not the, the evil uh, deferred maintenance uh, slumlord, but uh, there's just mold. And, you know, how do you fix it? They don't have a good uh, scenario for that. And so a lot of people are aware and then they know they're sick, but they don't know what to do about it. And so this is something that's a good what to do about it. And that's why the, the retrofit and the, the renovation uh, industry is so key on that because they'll solve that problem where it is. The new construction will prevent that problem from taking place in the future, but the renovation side uh, will do that. And then there was uh, there was a colleague that was telling me about a, a large renovation project in France that I'm really hoping to go take a look at um, that's doing like uh, tens of thousands of, of dwelling units um, that are being renovated. And then you go to cities, uh, you know, like St. Louis, like Detroit, um, you know, there's a large section in San Antonio that, you know, where there's it's, it's ripe for renovation. And then that's where that solution can be brought. Okay, so there's lots of questions that I want to bring it up. And this is something that eats at me and I think about. I eat, breathe, and sleep. This question that's coming up here um, from John is, how do we share this information and knowledge more? How do we get it out, right? How do we avoid the divide? And my question really, Ray, is, you know, who are those partners as associations within the industry or as industry leaders that we could get or partner with to help bring this to the mainstream conversation? Right. Who else out there is having discussions about the pain points that hemp solves? That's a great question. And if you'll allow me to preach for a moment, I will. Please. And Please. then this is the scenario that it's one of the things that I love the most about hemp and hemp in construction is that there are two sides. One is to create a, uh, um, a healthy, sustainable place to live, healthy for the occupant, healthy for the planet. And then there's the other quote unquote side of this to create a profitable construction scenario. And so the capitalist and the environmentalist can be an adversarial relationship. Now, with building with construction with him, that is one of the things to where those two can really come together. And so and now as a as a citizenry, say everybody who doesn't even care about this, they just need to go to go about their day. They need to live someplace that doesn't kill them. And let's say they're interested in something else, but just the population at large. And so we don't get the benefit for the population at large unless both sides work together. That's the profit side and that's the stewardship side. But in this case specifically, they're not adversarial. So let's go over to the, the, the stewardship side. If, uh, if everybody in that uh, side of the argument has the rhetoric of uh, climate change is the greatest existential threat to mankind that we've ever seen, and you have that rhetoric, and then on the other side of this, it's like climate change is the largest man-caused hoax perpetuating a power grab and control of mankind, if we have that rhetoric on either side of the scenario, we're toast. Yeah. Now, what we can agree on is stewardship of the environment. If you go to this side, do you want to steward the environment or do you just want to take and then leave it depleted? No. 
both sides agree on that. Let's come together on that. And we can come together on the point of utilizing hemp in construction. And then that is where both sides have something that is very powerful. And this is another thing. Our political cycles over the past several elections have been extremely toxic and divisive. And this is something to where everybody can come back together and have sort some sort of unity. And it's a topic uh, that is something that's very near and dear to my heart. And when the, the group from Honduras came to our job site, uh, that was something that the politicians were uh, lamenting is that the the citizenry, their constituents were like, look, you jackasses get together and agree on something and then do it. And then this is that something that can be done. So they were real, uh, you know, the, the whole constituency and the population was just so tired of the, um, uh, the back and forth on things. And then if we, if we do that correctly, uh, then a lot of power can be done because we don't get the benefit without both sides. I 100% agree with you. Um, there's quite a few questions that I want to, Kendall says, uh, stewardship is absolutely key. I agree. Uh, education, of course, engineering and architects. Um, mm -hmm. yes. I want to give a shout out. I know we've mentioned her a couple different times, but the Hemp Building Magazine and the directory that Jean puts out um, for of anybody in the industry construction space, it's incredibly powerful. I use it all the time and I reference it. In fact, I think it grew legs and walked off at NOCO, of course, but I'll be ordering a new one. <laughs> Somebody got it and needed it more than I did, but it I definitely recommend get on, see what you can find. Uh, can we talk a little bit, too, about opportunity for education? We talked about what it might look like and what we need as far as getting it out there. What about structure within the organizations or collaboration between us? You know, what can people expect as far as continued education and knowledge, you know, what, what type of information could we potentially put out collectively that would give them resources to take to architects or engineers or to move it along and be a voice for the message that we're sharing? Well, I'll share an exciting, and this is a, a you know, a just in, this just in, and news that we're doing. A lot of uh, everybody here is familiar with the Clubhouse group that we've had, which is um, on that app. And basically, it's everybody coming together and sharing ideas, and the community is the best resource to educate the community. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy as a facilitator in that scenario is if somebody has a question, usually somebody in the audience answers it. And that's where a variety of knowledge uh, comes into play uh, from the, the farmer, the engineer, the architect, all of that goes. And so what Gene and I are doing is uh, we're going to parlay that interest into the building of a community that will have that long form scenario to where uh, all of the architects can go off and talk to the architects. All of the engineers can go off and talk to the engineers. All of the farmers can go off and talk to the farmers. And then if the, each one of those has a question, they can go back and forth and then it becomes a body of knowledge. And so uh, we all can, uh, together we all know everything. And then if we don't know it together, we can all discover it. And so that's where those ideas can cultivate. And we're really excited about that. And then that'll be on the community that's uh, a part of HempBuildMag.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, however I can help you, I'd love to. I'd love to share the link from our sites also so that it becomes a resource. Uh, like I said, for a long time, we've done a really good job at the association at building this top of funnel and being able to partner and collaborate with groups like yours where you have focus on specific topics like building and construction. Uh, just makes it even more powerful and shows collaboration within the industry. And so thank you and very here's much. Another, yeah, and here's another idea that I'll put out there. If somebody's an educator or an innovator, uh, then this is a great topic to teach. And so um, the best example that I like to put out there is the National Association of Home Builders. If you go on their website, you're going to see all sorts of different courses, uh, everything from laying floors to installing windows to design. Um, and then all of those, um, uh, many of those are certified for continuing education hours. And so there's going to be a lot of educators that enter the space. <clears throat> and so the USHBA is not necessarily looking to become an educator in that space, but we're looking to be an umbrella organization where all those educators can come in. Because like I said, you're going to have different styles. If you're going to train trades for, uh, for block versus panel, uh, design, installation, materials, it's all going to be different. On-site, off-site, commercial. Oh, yeah. 
there's yeah I don't know an industry that moves slower than construction when it comes to change in systems mm -hmm. or farming. <laughs> Farming's pretty slow too. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, cool, cool, cool. Any shout outs? Do you have any, anything that's really going well in the industry? Anybody that we can give highlight to? Um, the, the focus on stewardship, the focus on voting with your dollars, the election is every day. If you vote with your dollars and do things uh, to go out there and then uh, officially want things, engage architects, engage realtors, um, you know, uh, uh, anybody who's a professional in the real estate space, whether they're uh, a real estate broker, an architect, an engineer, a builder, anybody like that, if they get asked about this enough, then they're going to go, what is this that I need to know about? And then because I'm being asked about it 20 times, I'm leaving money on the table. This is something that could be profitable for me. And then they're going to go educate themselves. And so then we can bring them into the fold and do that. And so just um, being a voice and in, in asking uh, and being a part of all the different things like the like this uh, cast and then like the organization that you have, the USHBA. But um, for right now, this is a sexy topic. You know, if you go into the cocktail party and then you're, you know, uh, sipping your uh, Tom Collins and then you're talking to your neighbor and you're sharing about the spray foam that's in your attic, they're going to want to excuse themselves and go talk to somebody else. But if you talk about, you know, the home that you're building or you saw a home built with hemp, you're going to get the conversation. It's a sexy topic. And so right now, what we need to do is just go out and be sexy. We need to be sexy and then let everybody hear what that sexy topic is and then bring them in and then, then we'll make the sexy topic boring because it's just every day. Uh, but right now we have the draw. We, we are the bait that people click on. And then, uh, you know, everybody says, you know, I get annoyed by the question about what if the house is on fire and stuff like that. Man, lean into that. I love that question every day because anytime that you've been in a business development scenario, the hardest thing is getting that first conversation. Yeah. And if a Scooby and Shaggy comment can get you the first conversation, man, Scooby that up. But then you can go, well, no, what it really is, is this, but you've got the conversation now. And so, That's yeah, I, because it is like I wear a hemp T-shirt. Because everywhere I go, someone asks me about it. It's very mm -hmm. easy walking through the airport. People are either scared of me. Oh, yeah. No, or they're like, wait a minute, what is that? And I'm like, oh, my shirt's made out of hemp. Or, oh, my hat's made out of hemp. Or my shoes or my pants or my jacket or anything that I have on at that point. And it is. Yep. It's that conversation starter. It. I also want to stress, too, right, is the honesty within the industry. Where we're actually at and what the yeah. capability these are. Hemp is not an end-all be-all solve everything. It is a solution for our existing pain points. All the top pain points in the world that we're talking about around climate change, hemp, hemp hits at some point, right? But being mm -hmm. able to be realistic because it is more damaging for us to walk in after a conversation of promising the world with no water, fireproof, right? right? And so yeah. I guess this is where I go back, right? Our, our ability to put education and knowledge out that helps to move that message along um i want to contribute to and i want to say we've got hundreds of interviews i know you guys have tons of stuff aren't all of your clubhouses recorded also yeah accessible? Yeah. yeah so they're searchable and you can listen to them but lean into those i definitely think that there's opportunity to move this forward i just caution that hemp is not the end all be all right there are it's still not magic it's it's not a silver bullet but it's a really good bullet yes. and and, and yeah. so you know best example of that is the story of a farmer who you know was looking to grow hemp but then had a bunch of people came in you can grow it anywhere you can no you can't you've got to be a proper farming yeah. business and so the agronomy's got to go into this and then you can't just throw it out it doesn't like grow like a weed and um you know it, it does grow very well it does suit into a nice crop rotation it has an economic advantage but if we ride into town and tell farmers what they can do they'll point us to the ride right back out of town and so we need to be very um 
uh, respectful of the industries that we're walking into. And we need to know how difficult it is for them to change, both farming and construction. It's difficult to change. I could not stress what you just said anymore. We as the industry need to meet our buyers, customers, clients where they're at, right? And what does that look like? And understanding what the construction industry looks like. Coming in and saying, we're going to replace cotton puts a target on our back, right? But how do we yeah. work with those industries potentially? You know, we're not coming in to take masonry out or hemp block or, you know, traditional concrete blocks out, but how do we fit into an existing system or replace a system to improve, you know, what, what our customer wants or is looking for? So anyways, I could go on and on. I agree. I think that Ray is doing a heck of a job, Liam. I agree 100%. You've got Thanks. lots of fans out here. Um, John had a great question. You know, would there be interest of a large event bringing cross music and entertainment in the Hemp Summit and Expo? Yes, 100%. This is something that I've thought a lot about. And maybe, Ray, this is something we could look into for multiple reasons. But, John, let's jump on a call. Um, you know, you look at some of these other farm organizations where they host concerts and they bring in music and entertainment and, you know, it's an education piece. I've also talked a lot about potentially doing a large structure in the middle of a main park that allows people to walk by and touch and feel and see the carbon being sequestered and look at the, you know, thermal properties and things like that. So there are so many parts you know, moving parts to this. It's a matter of, you know, what what could we collectively as an industry and organizations do? Um, and so we're open for ideas. I know, Ray, we've, we've bounced some ideas back and forth, but over the next couple of years, you know, really getting in front of people. And Ray, I, I'm going to put this out. I hope somebody does it. I'll be jealous when they do, but building a parade of homes home, you know, where people are paying for people to come through. And it may not be the whole thing, but wood flooring, insulation, you know, the the exterior walls, being able to really put people in a hemp home on a regular basis and have that yeah. aha moment. Um, so yeah. The ecotourism cabin will do that. Um, there's several scenarios and there's, there's a couple that I'm, I'm looking at uh, to develop in uh, both Colorado and in Texas and, you know, where there's active tourism already because see a lot of these homes get built and they're f fantastic homes, but then they're just that they're homes and nobody wants a herd of elephants coming through their house. And so um, when we can build those, uh, um, the Airbnb scenarios, the short-term rentals, that will be good because each construction project is a workshop. It's a learning opportunity. Straw bale mastered that. Yeah. We can take a, a page right out of the straw bale industry and make sure that we don't go by the way of straw bale to where it never catches hold. Um, but then uh, tourism is one. Um, uh, Gene and I like to call it the Snoop Dogg effect. It's going to yeah. take one tweet from Snoop Dogg or Willie Nelson or somebody like that. And then everybody's going to go, I can build a house with hemp. And they're going to put a quarter in the Google machine and they're going to type in something and then we just need to be there with a level-headed conversation that tells them about that uh once they come in with the the well golly uh, and then we can say they're like yeah yeah this is it and this is why and then we have a reasonable conversation but yeah that's going to be fun and then on the the music side of that to where um star power and fame can spread a word now that's a blessing and a curse because if <laughs> if the uh, if they say something stupid, then uh, then the bad word can get spread. So we just need to be there and uh, be prepared to have a good conversation. Well, I would love to help. I'd love the support. Like I said, I'll be jealous when it's somebody else doing it. I want to participate and help move it along. Um, I'd love to be building my home and, and collaborating. So I'd love to think about, right, as anybody that's listening or listening later on, who in our networks can we loop into sharing the message? Who in our networks can we get to to build a hemp home? Like you said, that Snoop Dogg effect that we're looking for to just, it only takes one. It only takes one group. Um, I've got a list of people that I, I say all the time, I'm manifesting it. <laughs> like I'm talking about our friendships. They don't know me yet, but we're working on it. But I, the more, more of us that are talking about it, it it's going to work. It, we have to be able to develop, develop that consumer demand campaign. Um, my next thing too, something that we want to work on, and I'd like to work with you on, Ray, at the association and Gene and um, and Jake is, 
you know, how do we build or build the database of peer reviewed data so that we can put it behind our campaigns, right? So that, so it becomes, it's no longer hearsay. It's no longer this myth of what hemp could do or what we've been told it is. It's actual peer reviewed data that we know so that when we are up against an opposing industry or somebody that we may be taking part of their market share away, right? We have the data and we can support it. Um, how, how do we build that, right? We've got some some interns that are working on pulling that together, but I think that that's a key piece to moving this forward and to be a viable resource to our, you know, our voices out there. Yeah, and and uh, there's a colleague, Bo Whitney, who's an economist, yes. and he puts out a lot of data in the, I mean, like granular level data, and that's influenced the industry on a large scale because other than that, we didn't really have something that we could point to. Now, all of these things for hemp and construction are real estate deals. Real estate deals are funded by money. Money is expressed in numbers. Money likes numbers to support itself and to justify itself because if the numbers don't add up, then the money is not going to come in. And so um, we are working with, you know, this is where, you know, as part of the conversation that I like to have on a routine basis, like what are your haves and your wants? Um, what are your needs? And so this is one of the things that the industry needs. This is who I see doing it. Somebody like Bo, who is an ag aggregator of data on the economist side. And he gets invited to speak all over the world. And, you know, my kids are just uh, um, really amazed. It's like, Dad's going to speak at South by Southwest. You know, Dad's going to speak. You know, Dad, Dad's being invited to Earth Ed's. Dad's not that cool. And so, you know, and then I was like, you know, bumping around with some of the other, uh, you know, old, uh, older guys in uh, in Austin. And you know, we were we felt rebellious because we were wearing khakis and everybody else had blue hair and tie dyes. But uh, you know, we were uh, walking around in khaki pants going to the concert, and I was sharing that with my kids on who was playing, and they're like, "I know those." <laughs> and so. Uh, so it was fun, but it, going back to the unifying thing and then what we need, um, but the, the data, um, I'm in conversation with several of the laboratories who do the testing. They get paid to do testing, so they want to test it. They don't care what it is. And so uh, we're, uh, if, if we're buying, they're selling, and then they'll, they'll set it on fire or destroy it and test it. So we need money to do that. So, you know, write checks uh, to things like the, the USHBF, uh, the foundation that supports things like Jacob. You can go straight and write checks to Jacob uh, and then don't give until it hurts, just until it feels good. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, I love this. I wanna say there's a couple of comments asking for hemp is sexy shirts. Or um, I've said for a long time, I want to put a shirt out that says hemp bringing sexy back. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's the car body part and all of the things we're doing. And so I feel like today just put me over the edge. We have some capital that is for merchandise and for t-shirts through Friends of Hemp. Maybe it's something we can do is put a fun shirt out, whatever it's going to be between our organizations like GHA and Friends of Hemp did. Um but yeah, something to really push the message of, you know, what is it? What's fun? What are we going to do to share? And really, what's that conversation starter? So, Ray, I appreciate your time. We're already at an hour and I could keep going. I'd love to have you back on and continue to do this, you know, regularly. Um, maybe even what we do is start bringing together some of our key players with or key uh, industry leaders within our organizations to have discussions. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you know, that's the next step. Where I feel passionate and what fuels my fire is seeing projects come together and people connect. And so if we can use this platform to use, you know, bring the architects and the farmers or the, the architects and the processors together, whatever that looks like, um, to move conversation, I'm all about that. So I invite that and I would love yeah. to have Here's it. how I've seen that play out is that whether it's the farmer, the architect, the builder, the uh, whoever the role is and what they're playing, uh, the comment has been, I'd love to do that, but I could never do that and then fill in the blank with the reason. And then the other party can answer the reason. So if the builder is like, 
I need something that's certified to a standard or I could never build with it because if I get sued, I'm going to have to sue you. We all have to be able to sue each other. And so it's one of those things to where the builder and the processor come together and then they bring a third party into the conversation, which is the certification. Uh, and so there are entire companies and organizations on a global scale that do that. But now they're a part of the conversation because everybody wanted it for want the right things for the right reasons. We got together, we shared ideas about how it was impossible to do, and then now it's possible. And so that type of collaboration is something that uh, I look forward to doing. I'm super passionate about, and I look forward to, to having all those interests plugged together because we need to listen to each other about yes. what makes it possible and impossible. Well, and I think another conversation that I've I heard a lot at NoCo, and I've been asked a lot about putting together a mastermind group or roundtable mm -hmm. discussions on the how. Right. Like, how are we meeting spec? What adjustments need to be made to equipment? What adjustments need to be made to harvesting or drying or processing along these steps? And without giving away IP, right, we've got to be able to come together and say, don't do this. It'll cost you a million dollars. And I know yeah, that's yeah. what happened to me. Right. Yeah, yeah. How yep. do we move this? without becoming this bucket of crabs, right? We get one that comes up and everybody's trying yeah. to go down. And so, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out there. I welcome these types of conversations on how um, we've got stewards in this industry and leaders, for example, IND and Melissa at, at Nelson at South Bend that are opening their doors to talk about challenges. Oh and yeah. And so it's what's gonna move our industry forward and it's what's moving us personally forward. You know, there's all this. Well, I can't be in a room because my competition is sitting next to me. There is benefit to sitting next to your competition and knowing what's working. What are your strengths and weaknesses and how do you refer? So, yeah. 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 If you look at who's leading and doing the most, it's the folks that share the most. And then um, I'll give a shout out to uh, Russ Jessup with uh, Texas A&M. And he had yeah. this idea because I was asking him, it's like, hey, we want to go from Clubhouse to a, a collaborative pl platform. Uh, we want to connect academics. We know academics are siloed. Uh, you know, there's a lot of secret sauce that's being done, a lot of research that's being done. How do we c connect everybody without um, uh, without sacrificing that uh, intellectual property that is uh, the currency that we trade in uh, often as entrepreneurs. And he said, just get everybody together to have the high level conversations, you know, have those conversations at a level where it's more concept and then let everybody connect. And then the, the right people will connect with the right interests. And then they can go off and have that uh, conversation under an NDA or something like that. And so those are the conversations we want to facilitate with the community, uh, with, uh, you know, the platform that we've got, uh, with uh, um, uh, the USHBA, as well as other platforms uh, like the community that Gene is building. And so those conversations can happen. Yes, I love it, love it. Okay, well, thank you so, so much, Ray. I'll share your contact again. Um, find him on LinkedIn. He's all over LinkedIn, does a great job. Clubhouse on Thursdays, right? What time on Thursdays do you go live? That's new news. This evening, we're going to go at 6 Central, and then we will probably discontinue that and go okay. to the community and migrate that to hempbuildmag.com in the community. So if you don't have a profile there, set one up. But that's going to be the body of knowledge that uh, develops as it, as it goes. I just saw Gene's link from Hemp Build Mag. Here we go. Log in to Hemp Build Mag. Set up your profile. You guys, there's lots of great stuff going on. Ray, if there's anything we can do to support you, don't hesitate to reach out. I love the collaboration. I'm stoked that you're where you're at, both you and Gene in this role. Um, I love to hear the collaboration with Jacob also. It's, it's great news. Uh, check out our past interviews. There's almost 400, I think over 400 interviews now published on our YouTube channel. They're also available from our member portal. We've, we do a lot of login events that are not public that are on our toolbox through our member portal in through the association, globalhempassociation.org. So I encourage you guys to get involved. Reach out if you have any questions and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Randy. Okay, talk later, guys. See you.